0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams.
1: We had a great holiday weekend. We're ready to get going. It's going to be a busy week. Uh, Thursday and Friday of this week, I'll be in Dallas for the World Meat, Expo, uh, World Meat Congress. And we'll be talking to a number of uh, folks from this country, leaders from the U.S. and other countries looking at uh, the opportunities for increased Uh, Trade for uh, our livestock industry, moving our meat products around the world. Have a number of officials from Mexico and Canada and other countries, as well as U.S. officials that will be in Dallas for the World Meat Congress this week. Again, I'll be broadcasting from there Thursday and Friday. Today we're going to take a look at the weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson had a real summer feel in parts of the country uh, for the Memorial Day weekend. We're going to talk with Paul Schlegel with the American Farm Bureau Federation about uh, the immigration issue. But right now joining us is Iowa Senator Charles Grassley to help us kick off uh, the week. Senator, thanks for being with us.
2: Yeah, the Senate's not in session, so I'm in Iowa. Today I'm on my Iowa farm. But Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday I'll be in northwest Iowa, uh, holding my 99 county meetings.
1: Yeah, you're going to be busy. Let's talk uh, farm bill. Uh, recently, Chairman Conway said told me that uh, you are wrong on your uh, your push for payment limits in the farm bill, and that he has no regrets that they don't have any language for that in in the uh, in the House bill that they're trying to get passed. What's your response to that?
2: Well, first of all, I'm very happy to have somebody like Chairman Conway. Uh, be chairman of the committee, understanding agriculture, and defending American agriculture. That's very important when farmers make up just 2% of the population. Uh, Exactly what that farm policy should be, he and I would agree that you ought to have a safety net for farmers, but he would also agree, uh, disagree with me by saying that we need a safety net for non-farmers because his bill uh, takes out Uh, all uh, laws that we have now restricting farm payments to real farmers uh, and putting limits on what even some real farmers can get uh, at $250,000 for a a husband and wife. wife. I uh, I think that uh, he needs to realize that uh, President Trump, being a non-farmer from Manhattan, understands uh, that non-farmers shouldn't be getting farm payments because uh, the president has in his budget exactly what I stand for of a hard cap on what one farmer can get, and that uh, and it ought to be a farmer getting it, not a non-farmer. It's ridiculous to think that the chairman of the House Agriculture Committee says that Wall Street bankers need uh, subsidies uh, for their farming operation.
1: Do you think there will be, have you had conversations with Chairman Roberts, will there be language on payment limits in the Senate version of the Farm Bill?
2: I have every reason to believe that there will be.
1: So have you talked with him about any specifics on that?
2: Yeah, I've talked to him along the lines of, of actively engaged, uh, that's a legal term, actively engaged in farming. Uh, as the language that needs to be in the bail, uh, and, uh, and I think we'll be successful in showing him that that takes care of all the problems that, uh, that he might have raised by uh, other farmers about, for instance, uh, lineal uh, uh, qualification for uh, farming.
1: And we wait to hopefully hear soon and see what that will be in that Senate version of the Farm Bill. We're talking with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Meanwhile, are you seeing any indication from the administration and from this EPA that they're going to change the way they approach this waiver process for the RFS, especially in light of, of Marathon asking for a waiver? We're waiting to see what the, whether or not it's granted. Do you see the, any change at all in direction by this EPA?
2: Not at this point. Uh, All I can tell you is what I probably have told you before. Three weeks ago, we met at the White House. We left the White House. The positive things for ethanol were E15 12 months out of the year, no cap on RINs. But then the possibility of uh, RINs uh, applying to exports, that would be a negative. But that negative could be offset by the fact that if they promise 15 billion gallons uh, they don't use waivers to subtract from the 15 billion gallons that the law requires to be mixed with uh, gasoline. Because right now, with these waivers being very liberally granted, uh, we're back down to about 13.8 billion gallons a year to be used. So the, the meeting, as the meeting ended at the White House, it was supposed to be uh, that we were going to have uh, the waivers granted uh, before the, the, the goal is set for the amount of ethanol that has to be used, and that if waivers were going to be granted, uh, that would subtract from the 15 billion gallons, uh, that in turn uh, it would be reallocated to other people to make use of. So uh, uh, if, if it came out as I just described it, it would be positive for ethanol, I believe. But right now, I can't tell you until I see things on paper.
1: What are your thoughts on the negotiations with China? Uh, Kind of a a ceasefire or truce, it's been called, but yet there are still tariffs hurting the pork producers. Uh, How do you see this playing out? Do you like the strategy that's going on here?
2: Well, now, there may be pork uh, tariffs, but I've been told through the press uh, who have reported that all, uh, all tariffs on aluminum and steel on the one hand and agricultural products on the other hand are being held in abeyance. So I can't uh, state about uh, pork uh, having uh, the, the uh, tariff put on it, but if it is, uh, it would be an exception to what we've heard about soybeans and other agricultural crops.
1: All right. Are you hearing anything at all on 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 NAFTA? Do you expect to see it uh, an agreement to come before you to vote on this year?
2: Uh, two weeks ago, if I'd talked to you, it would have been very positive. To now, it looks like it could go into uh, next year.
1: So nothing. You're not seeing any indication you're going to get a deal in front of you anytime soon. Then. Okay. All right, so as you head out to talk with folks in, in around Iowa, what are you expecting to hear from them? What do you think is going to be the number one issue they're going to want to talk to you about?
2: Trade, Trade. farm bill, price of pharmaceuticals, uh, high insurance costs for health, uh, probably a lot of talk about what I think can happen coming out of the uh, U.S.-North Korea talks, uh, and then probably uh, uh, what I expect out of Iran.
1: All right, so we'll talk to you again uh, in in the near future and see if you heard anything differently from them and get updates on some of these other issues. And I want to talk to you after the uh, Senate version of the Farm Bill comes out as well. So thanks, and uh, enjoy your time in Iowa. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Uh, Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Again, Congress uh, not in session this week, so no votes uh, will be taken this week, but uh, a lot of these issues uh, will continue and we uh, will keep you updated. Immigration is very much in the news again right now. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on with Paul Schlegel from the American Farm Bureau Federation, but coming up next, weather as we wrap up May and head into June already feels in some places like July. We'll talk about it next on AOA the mighty Prosaro, king of fungicides.
3: Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use ProSoro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at ProSoro.us. Always read and follow label instructions.
5: Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub, they require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing.
4: All right, crew, let's get her dug.
6: Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember?
7: No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, Ah. you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance.
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: Welcome back. Let's talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. And Bryce, uh, this Memorial Day weekend, we had. Uh, all kinds of weather across the country, of course, but for some places, uh, like in the Midwest, it felt more like the 4th of July, the Memorial Day.
8: Yeah, it really did, Mike, Uh, with, uh, you know, these temperatures that were in the upper 90s to uh, over 100 and, uh, you know, took in uh, a lot of the country, no doubt about that. The the level of heat is something that we have not seen uh, since 2012, and uh, that was confirmed in uh, some conversation that I had with the uh, local National Weather Service office here in Omaha, at least in Omaha. It uh, has been since May of uh, 2012 that it's been this hot uh, this uh, early in the uh, summer season. I guess we can say it's summer because it was Memorial Day weekend. And so uh, that obviously gives a lot of pause because uh, 2012 was a very stressful crop year. But that is the kind of heat that we had. Uh, fortunately, uh, things are maybe going to uh, not necessarily cool down, but they will ease a little bit uh, in terms of that heat. But it is still going to remain on the very warm side for all but the southeastern part of the country and in the far west uh, when we get through the balance of this week. It still is going to be above normal, uh, to much above normal, and so uh, there's not going to be a whole lot of uh, real change from uh, the pattern that we're in right now.
1: We've also seen some extremes uh, places very, very dry still while others were being uh, hit with uh, heavy rain.
8: Yeah, the um, you know that uh, subtropical Alberto system uh, you know really did its damage uh, in terms of rainfall. That, that's one thing with the tropicals um, even though a system may be, pretty unorganized, like Alberto was, uh, there still is an awful lot of uh, moisture that gets brought in out of the Gulf of Mexico into the interior. And so we've got uh, flood warnings uh, that are in effect now from uh, Florida all the way uh, northwest into southern Illinois. And uh, outside of that storm area, uh, there was the uh, tremendous round of uh, local thunderstorms that brought the uh, just horrific flooding and uh, probably, uh, possibly the destruction of an entire uh, town in Maryland uh, because of uh, what happened in, uh, in that uh, area. And uh, even over the last uh, 24 hours in uh, northwestern Kansas, overall Kansas is not doing very well on precipitation but uh, there was a local thunderstorm that brought over five inches of rain to Hill City, Kansas. So the, uh, you know, the, the idea of uh, raining and pouring uh, has really been a big deal. Now, now this week, I, I do need to uh, point out that the, uh, it's remarkable how the seven day precipitation forecast chart is showing a real dry and wet uh, field to it, so to speak. If you draw a line from about Seattle, Washington, and then uh, run south and southeast to uh, New Orleans, maybe toward uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, and then go from there west, there's hardly any rainfall on the forecast. But from there east and northeast, uh, there could be some real heavy amounts, you know, uh, pushing three, four, even five inches or more. And that goes north into the Canadian prairies as well. It's just a remarkable uh, dry and wet uh, contrast that's shaping up.
1: And when you look at that, does that remind you of any years past? We, I mean, do we take anything from this, or is this kind of a unique situation?
8: Well, I, I, uh, I think that uh, there, there are a couple of components uh, on that answer. First of all, the, the, uh, the dry west and much wetter east uh, uh, field that uh, we're looking at over the next seven days is uh, is right in line with uh, some of the longer-term Uh, climate change impact uh, features that have been uh, discussed and written about quite a bit. And that sort of thing is indeed uh, starting to uh, uh, display itself. Now, when we think about uh, how the summertime is looking, the uh, 10-day forecast models have pretty good agreement in that uh, a strong ridge of high pressure is shaping up just kind of a big bubble over the southwestern uh, part of the country from, uh, oh, let's see, pretty close to uh, the Ozarks in Missouri, and then running south and southwest through uh, Texas and Oklahoma, then into New Mexico and uh, northern Mexico, and north of that, uh, the boundary layer then kind of waffles around between uh, U.S. Highway 20 and Interstate 90, and Mike, that is a very similar setup to uh, the way things were six years ago in uh, 2012. Uh, where the northern tier of states got in on uh, milder temperatures and uh, more frequent rainfall, whereas uh, central and south were, uh, you know, certainly kind of uh, behind the eight ball when it came to rainfall. And we know how how kind of uh, uh, how the heat uh, developed as well to uh, cause a uh, real stressful year in crops. And had it not been for Alberto and the rainfall that it's bringing in, I think we would have seen that go on. For this week as well, and and that uh, pattern is, I think, going to stay with us through quite a bit of the month of June.
1: Any comparisons to twenty twelve make a lot of people very nervous because we would not want to see a repeat of that. Now, yeah, up till I, I, now, up till now, you've not been real concerned about that for for twenty eighteen. Are you more concerned now?
8: Well, I think I think it's worth noting. Uh, yeah, uh, when we were when we were looking at things earlier this year. Uh, the idea was uh, was pretty strong that that uh, with the Pacific fading as early as it did out of La Nina and, and uh, everything that that there were some other years that were acting a little bit more in line with uh, with the way this year was shaping up, but um, the, uh, the 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 uh, degree and and I I know that's uh, you know kind of a play on words there the the degree of uh, heat buildup that went on during uh, this past week. And, and the kind of a quick uh, change from, you know, what was a rather cold April to uh, a very warm, in fact, possibly a record warm May uh, is uh, giving a lot of folks pause. I've had uh, some uh, conversations with, uh, with other folks in the weather and climate business this morning and uh i can uh, assure you that coming out of the holiday weekend that there is a uh, a lot of uh discussion a lot of uh comparing uh, notes back and forth about uh, where things are and, and where things are going so this uh this uh, uh this uh setup that we have is uh, getting an awful lot of attention and uh it's uh it's making uh you know for uh a real focused uh, effort in terms of analyzing, uh, with uh, the way things have been uh, over the past five days, and uh, the way it, it appears things are uh, evolving into when we get into the uh, month of June.
1: Shows how quickly things can change.
8: Well, it uh, it does, and that's that's the way this uh, this pattern has acted. There is no doubt about that.
1: All right, let's look at this week ahead. We wrap up May. We'll head into June. Uh, Kind of give us a breakdown across the country real quick.
8: Well, I think uh, for the month of or at least uh, to get into the month of June, uh, over the over the Midwest, uh, we are going to see uh, temperatures that will be above normal with uh, varying uh, amounts of precipitation. I think the northern half of the region is still going to be above normal. Uh, the rest of the region is going to have near-normal uh, near, near normal activity on uh, moisture. Uh, over the southeast, uh, the, the scenario is still looking uh, pretty warm with um Maybe actually a little bit below normal on precipitation. Uh, the southern plains, I think, stay dry and hot, frankly, uh, the way things are going. Uh, the uh, western part of the U.S. is uh, going to be uh, mainly on the dry side, except for the northwest, where uh, that part of the country will still be in on the uh, shower potential with a little bit uh, more frequent uh, round of activity.
1: And what about South America?
8: South America has a few showers this week, Mike, in the south-central part of Brazil. Uh, That may uh, level things out as far as their safrina corn crop conditions uh, go, but uh, damage has already been done, obviously, from the kind of dry pattern that they had uh, so far this season to contend with.
1: All right. So, Bryce, uh, (laughs) I guess it's not the most encouraging news. It's kind of a, not an all-out warning, but just kind of a precautionary tale you're telling us today about what could develop here this summer?
8: Well, that's the way things are are uh, developing uh, and uh, coming together. There's no doubt about that, Mike. And and there, there are quite a few areas uh, in the Midwest where soil moisture is in pretty good supply. And I think that uh, as we go through the season, that those reserves are certainly going to be called on. And uh, they will be Uh, in need uh, the way things uh, are appearing to uh, be developing for this summer.
1: All right, Bryce, thanks. We'll talk to you next week.
8: Okay, Mike, thank you.
1: DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Amazing how that has shifted now just in the last few days and uh, sounding a little more concerning about moving into uh, this summer. All right, the Trump administration says that... Plans to simplify H 2A work visas for farms. We're going to talk about the immigration issue with Paul Schlegel with the American Farm Bureau Federation. That's coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard DeVorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly 2 decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, the hard
7: part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland, 149-Oregon-DM-80031.
9: Time now for a market check. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. For Tuesday's trading session, we saw a higher overnight trade, but minus signs as the day wears on. Soybean losses, four to six and a fraction. Corn futures, penny and a fraction lower. A fractional mix in Chicago wheat, two to four and a half lower. Minneapolis spring wheat, but one and a half to two and a half higher. In Kansas City wheat. July soybeans edged higher in a tight range on Friday. Last week's high at 1050 and three quarters now said to be key resistance. On the downside, Friday's low at 1035 and a half on July was first support. We're a penny below that an hour into the trading day. The U.S. is planning to announce in the coming weeks a list of Chinese imports that will be subject to 25% tariffs as well as new China investment restrictions and controls. That, according to the White House on Tuesday, the storyline has been hanging over the market for weeks. Meanwhile, thousands of Brazilian truckers said to be continuing a strike over fuel prices. That's led to shortages and disruptions across Latin America's largest nation, we're a penny and a fraction lower in corn. Private exporters reporting to USDA sales of 231,248 metric tons of corn for delivery to unknown destinations, and a defensive tone in Minneapolis wheat, trending one to two and a fraction higher in Kansas City. For livestock, at the Merck in lean hog futures beginning the trading week on a positive note, 92 to a dollar 45 higher. Today's hog slaughter estimated at 429,000 head. A year ago, we saw 440,000. In live cattle, futures were 20 to 40 cents lower, 30 to 60 cents higher in feeder cattle. The Dow down 159, crude oil down 99 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network.
3: in my home state of Minnesota, the 10 year warranty. And you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four My Pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four My Pillows. Two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order My Pillow at 800 871 7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four My Pillows for the price of one. Call 800 871 7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout, use promo code FARM11.
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: Well, we know the uh, farm bill in the House put on hold till an immigration vote takes place. Meanwhile, the administration is vowing to simplify H-2A work visas for farms. So, immigration back on the front burner now. Let's talk about it with Paul Schlegel, managing director, public policy and economics for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Paul, thanks for being with us. Uh, let's talk about the administration. Uh, their um, Announcement to simplify the work visas for foreigners, but as is often the case, very few details uh, going along <laughs> with this. Uh, what do we know about uh, what direction uh, the administration kind of seems to be leaning on this?
10: Well, uh, we do. I, I, you're exactly correct. We we are a little bit short on details, uh, but they have indicated a willingness to make the program more user-friendly for growers, more accessible, perhaps a little bit less bureaucratic, maybe get uh, smoother operations for people. We have not received details. Uh, One of the things, for instance, we have heard that could be included would be a more flexible period of time, say a 10 to 14 day period when a grower establishes his date of need. So when he gets the workers and that has been a, you get your workers too soon, you're paying them for work that's not being done. You get them too late, you can lose your crops. So there are things of that nature that they're, they move in the right direction. They're positive. I don't think we're expecting it to be a wholesale change in opening the program up to people like dairy who need it. Um, We'll welcome any improvements we can get, uh, but at the end of the day, we we do need legislation to to, to provide the kind of fixes agriculture needs.
1: It's been frustrating. Uh, I mean, the whole immigration issue is a huge issue for the country as a whole, but uh, specifically for agriculture, uh, it's been so elusive to just get some fixes to the current program that that would help the situation.
10: It, oh you're absolutely right. I was I was just doing some research the other day. The one of the original pieces of legislation that was introduced by Senator Gordon Smith, he's no longer in the Senate, but he's in the state of Oregon. He reduced it in July of 1998. That was 20 years ago. And we have literally been on the doorstep of Congress for 20 years saying you need to fix the program. It's broken and You're right. Frustration is probably the most charitable way of characterizing it. There are some people in dairy, particularly in mushrooms or year-round livestock, they have no place to go. And we're seeing shortages of workers that are just increasing and getting worse. And we do not have the luxury of waiting for a, a fix. We need it now.
1: Yeah, in case of dairy, cows have to be milked. In the they case do. of fruits, vegetables, you know, you're talking about a perishable crop. you got a short window for harvest. I mean, these are such uh, critical areas that, uh, that, that lack of labor or that labor shortage is really starting to impact uh, production in some places and whether or not some operations can continue to be in business.
10: Very much so. Uh, we've tried to underscore for policymakers that um, if we can't, solve this problem, we're simply going to lose production. It'll be grown overseas, outside the country. And there's no reason we should give away a valuable part of our economy to other people. Uh, we, we want to keep it here, but we we need a labor force and we need a legal labor force. And there's, there's a solution. Uh, and, and we just need uh, Congress to uh, sort of develop the gumption to get it done. And we don't you know the the DACA question, the the children that uh, that's being talked about. We we, cert, we don't have policy at Farm Bureau about that, but uh, and we understand the need that policymakers seem to have to address it. But we don't think they should step in front of agriculture's need for labor and farmers and ranchers' need to get the legal so, uh, solution to their problem.
1: Paul, what is needed to fix the problem?
10: Well. We need we we need two things really uh, and we have today in agriculture we we hire about a third of our labor force we have about 3 million people in agriculture we hire about a million and the million of that million we hire there's a very significant percentage which is using under uh, utilized under fraudulent documents now people say well that's the farmer's fault they shouldn't do that the fact of the matter is farmers obey the law. When somebody is handed, an applicant comes for a job and they hand the farmer a sheet of papers, he's obliged, if those papers look genuine, to accept those as genuine. So what we need is a system that doesn't put farmers in a vulnerable situation like that. But in the meantime, we have to acknowledge that a significant portion of our labor force is a working under false documents. We have to stabilize and legalize those workers. That's that's imperative. And then in the long term, we need a guest worker program that either builds on H-2A or, as Chairman Goodlatte has done, creates a new H-2C program. But it has to be less bureaucratic, less expensive. It has to cover all of agriculture. We would like to see it move to USDA instead of the Department of Labor. So, And there are many elements that Chairman Goodlatte has done which are good. Uh, the question of our existing workforce, it falls a little short, but we want to keep the process moving so we can solve that.
1: We're talking with Paul Schlegel with the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right. Uh, let's talk about uh, Congressman Goodlad's uh, bill that uh, evidently, in some form or another, is going to be voted on in the House, it would seem, uh, here in early June. Um, what are you hearing on that and its chances of passing? Uh, and what do you like, not like about it?
10: Well, you know, it's, it's a great question because um, we, I, I, we're trying to figure out exactly what is going to happen. You have a series of events, you know, we unfortunately lost the Farm Bill on final passage about 10 days or so ago because some members of the Freedom Caucus were using that vote as leverage to get Mr. Goodlatte's bill to the floor. Um, we were very unhappy at that outcome, but we're, we, 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 we believed that the Farm Bill was just being used as leverage by some members. Then you have other Republicans, moderate Republicans, who wanted to deal with the DACA, the Dreamers question. So, exactly what is going to come to the floor and when we're not sure i think mr gilbert will get a vote on this bill I, I, I just infer if he had the votes by now they would have brought it up and so the fact they haven't would lead you to conclude that the votes are not there but they may get the votes for it and then the question will become once that vote is taken i think we expect the farm bill then to be scheduled and voted on and, and passed um, and then if. Our greatest fear is that if, say, for instance, Mr. Goodlatte doesn't get the votes, get 218 votes to pass, but the House of Representatives does pass a DACA fix for the DREAMers, if that does not have any provision that addresses agriculture's problems, we may wind up at the end of this year with nothing out of Congress. And that is that would just be a devastating that we don't want to see that at all. So we are talking to members on the House right now and the leadership and other members of Congress to say whatever it is you pass, you have to have something for agriculture and even if it's, you know, short, once we get to the Senate we can build on it, we can do more, but you can't leave us in the lurch. We don't we don't want that to happen.
1: Paul, there's still those who say, Well, why don't those jobs why don't you give those jobs to US citizens and we've been down this road before. Uh, we sure uh, have. There, there have been efforts to to attract uh, U.S. citizens for these jobs. In many cases, they don't want to do the work. They may not want to do uh, deal with the seasonality of some of the work. They may not want to mm-hmm. travel to the areas that need. I mean, there are a lot of reasons that. Uh, but it just doesn't get those positions don't get filled. Those jobs don't get filled uh, just from uh, U.S. citizens.
10: It is, and, and it's tough to make uh, members appreciate and policymakers and staff sometime that. I have yet to talk to a, a, a farmer or rancher anywhere in this country who would say, I, I've offered wages that I think it was somebody in Colorado, and this is years ago, they were offering something like $15 an hour, and they just can't get people. You know, we have a zucchini farmer. We did a, a story last this November, December, where they lost thousands of dollars in their crop because they couldn't get the workers. It's, and, and dairy, you know, I was talking to somebody from New Mexico not too long ago, and they said they, they norm, they're they so short on workers and they don't have access to H-2A. So you hear it just not in one part of agriculture, but it's across the board, it's across the regions, across the country, that that they, the shortage is real. And, and um, But you're right. You, you run up to the people and say, oh, if you just would do more you'd pay more, you'd get the workers. But that just simply is not the case.
1: Technology helps some. I mean, r- robotics and dairy, for instance. But that's uh-huh. not... We're not there yet to where that's going to fix this problem, so uh, it it still has to be addressed, uh, the labor issue.
10: It does, yeah, and robotics is expensive, you know. It's not not, uh, uh, anybody can walk out and just install that on their operation. And then you do have, in specialty crops and fruits and vegetables, you do have... Um, the expectation of the consumer's part that they're going to go to the market and buy an unblemished, you know, pristine fruit. And we don't have the technology. That they're, you're right. They're working on it. They're developing things, but it's not around the corner. It's not going to happen anytime soon. And so for the foreseeable future, we, we need, if we want to keep production here, we, we need a labor force that's legal and reliable and secure and our economists, you know, a few years back had done the study that said if we were to lose our existing workforce that's not properly documented, we could lose 5 to $9 billion a year in production. That's, that's a lot of loss in production. So we don't, we don't want to – there's no reason we have to do that. And to go back to Mr. Goodlatte's bill, as I say, he's got a number of provisions that would improve the existing program in the out years, less bureaucratic and USDA would enforce. So a lot of good things in it, um, but we also need to make sure in the short term that our existing workers are treated fairly and safely and legally.
1: So even though the immigration issue uh, really cost us getting the farm bill done right now, delayed it at least, it's still, this is an important issue for agriculture. We, we need to watch this vote very closely coming up in the oh, no,
10: no, no question about that. I do... My, again, I, uh, the Farm Bill, I think there's an expectation that once they get over this hurdle in the House that they will figure out what to vote on. I think that the Farm Bill will then be scheduled, and we're working like crazy to make sure it passes, and I think we're hopeful that will happen. But for us, immigration, for Farm Bureau, for instance, immigration is a, a top priority for our board, for all of our members, and we want to make sure we can, we can get a system in place. And as I say, we've been up there for 20 years, for two decades, uh, asking for a solution. And that's, you know, people have to stand up and take notice and say, look, if people have been talking about this for this long, it has to be addressed.
1: Paul, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Paul, Paul Schlegel with AFBF. Stay with us on AOA.
4: If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location
5: call now for your free information 800-717-0734 717 734 what if you had a medical emergency away from home what you need is mobile help america's premier mobile medical alert system most systems only work at home but with mobile help you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a
6: button i press the button and lo and behold the emergency came within minutes Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that.
5: Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your planned purchase. Remember, Mobile Help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800 934 6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137.
4: All right, crew. Let's get her dug.
6: Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember?
7: No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance.
3: In my home state of Minnesota, with a 10 year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever get four My Pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four My Pillows two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order MyPillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four MyPillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to MyPillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. All right, guys. We're ready for our four-season sunroom and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no. We'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one man? You know, the fun. Nice try, little bro. It's a gym. My gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh no, wait.
6: A family hub. Yeah!
0: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams.
1: All right, joining us now, Sarah Wyant, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications, looking at this week ahead. Sarah, thanks for being with us. Congress not in session, so are you expecting a quiet week?
6: Yes, good morning, Mike. It's a nice change of pace, although, even though Congress is out of session this week, you wake up in the morning and you think, what's going to happen? You know, we heard the White House had the trade war with China on hold, and here comes a release out at 7 o'clock this morning announcing 25% tariffs on $50 billion worth of imported goods from China and some other restrictions. So um, just because it's quiet in one area of government doesn't mean it's necessarily quiet in the others.
1: I was going to say, with this administration, there's no such thing as a quiet week or quiet day, right?
6: Absolutely. And you have to keep watching Twitter and all sorts of other social media avenues to kind of keep track of things. But I don't think this one was terribly unexpected, given that Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross is going to be headed to China to try to negotiate some longer-term deals, especially important for agriculture and energy bodies. Uh, So announcing this ahead of his trip over there on June 2nd is probably not totally unexpected. it's just a, a different twist from what we knew last week at this time.
1: yeah, and we said at the time everybody was so excited in agriculture about the the prospects of China buying you know more than ever from us. but you have to kind of tap the brakes a little bit and I mean this doesn't just happen overnight and there are going to be ups and downs and uh, it gets tricky and uh, so you just have to kind of have to be a little realistic along with your optimism too.
6: That's right. You have to temper things, because it's been a long time since the Chinese have really made some major concessions. And uh, I don't expect them to be moving quickly on any of these fronts, although there has been some progress. And I anticipate that um, as we look at the kind of the global geopolitical uh, landscape, you know, you've got so many moving parts with North Korea, with Japan. Uh, and then, of course, with China and uh, all these moving parts make it a very complex situation.
1: Okay, we just talked in the last segment with Paul Schlegel with the American Farm Bureau Federation about the importance of this immigration issue and the administration saying they're going to simplify the the visas for ag and we'll see if that does indeed happen. Meanwhile, we wait for a vote on the Goodlatte bill or some version of it in the House, uh, which would include an overhaul of H-2A, the ag guest worker program, And that, of course, is what's delaying a farm bill vote. So that gives even more time uh, for those trying to pass the farm bill to get yes votes and those that are trying to oppose it to get no votes. It'll be an interesting tug of war here between now and late June.
6: Well, and as Paul probably mentioned to you, Farm Bureau is ramping up their advocacy efforts to try to get farmers and ranchers to talk to their members when they're back home and address the importance of passing a farm bill before the current one expires at the end of September. I think we'll have a a lot of pressure from those kinds of outreach efforts. But then you've got other groups like National Farmers Union and and, uh, some of the other, as you mentioned, advocacy groups against the farm bill working just as hard. So if, uh, if any of your listeners really would like to see a farm bill, this is the time to be talking to your members when they're back home in their districts.
1: Yeah, because I I almost get the feeling there's more more momentum starting to gather for those that want to oppose it, and they're going to really be out there working hard to get the no vote. So if you want to get this Farm Bill passed, it's going to take some work between now and that vote in late June.
6: Well, absolutely. And I think Rodney Davis gave us some kind of keen insight last week when he talked about the fact that... The Freedom Caucus says this is all about immigration and they wanted to use this vote on immigration as leverage and they had to get it done before the Farm Bill. But what Congressman Davis said was, you know, some of these folks weren't going to vote for it anyway and they've been reliably no votes on many issues. So it'll, it'll really be interesting to see if they don't get their way on immigration whether or not they'll still come around and vote with leadership on the farm bill i think that's going to be really key to watch mike
1: and of course the backdrop to all this midterm elections
6: oh absolutely and the political divide that we've seen between republicans and democrats make that very very evident that they both think that this is an important messaging issue for the midterms and republicans want to deliver Uh, You've heard uh, Mitch McConnell, the majority leader in the Senate, say that uh, whatever happens uh, on nutrition uh, does not have to be like the House version of the bill. He just wants to get a bill passed. Of course, he wants to see hemp legislation included in Mm -hmm. it as well, which is uh, important to his folks in Kentucky. But I think both parties realize that uh, they want to use the farm bill as a a messaging vote.
1: And we we talked earlier... Yeah. Earlier in the program, we talked with Senator Grassley, who continues to push hard for payment limits. He expects some language in the Senate bill. Uh, we talked earlier with Chairman Conaway a few days ago, and he said that Senator Grassley's wrong on this. And he, Chairman Conaway, has no regrets about not having payment limit language in, in the farm bill on the House side. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Will Senator Grassley get what he wants uh, he's pushed for for so long on this issue?
6: You know, I think it's still going to be really tough, but uh, it depends on how things really come out of the conference committee, right? We've got Mm -hmm. members who probably aren't going to be really pushing for that on the House side. And so if Mr. Peterson stays with Mr. Conaway on that issue on conference, then uh, it'll be tough for Mr. Grassley once again. But I do think that Senator Grassley is really ramping up his game in terms of some of his comments. And uh, I don't know how that's resonating with a few farmers in in terms of, uh, you know, especially our southern friends who really like to put him on a poster for most wanted sometimes when I talk to them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It's really hitting home on the payment limit front for southerners especially.
1: That conference committee, when they finally get that far, is really going to be interesting
6: it is and you know you've got uh, senator stabenow and Senator roberts who work together very very well and pretty much want to have uh... the whole strategy in place as they move forward so we'll see their bill possibly the second week of june be advanced and they'll start marking up on that uh... but when it comes to the house side a lot of unknowns right because right. mr peterson and mr conway haven't been speaking about a lot of these yeah.
1: Yeah, they, they're not, uh, they're not uh, getting along with the best of the world right now, for sure. Sarah, as always, thank you. Good to talk with you. Take care.
6: Good talking to you, Mike.
1: Take care. Sa- Sarah Wyatt, editor and publisher of AgriPulse Communications. All right, coming up tomorrow, we'll talk more about some of these trade issues uh, with China and also some uh, export opportunities for ethanol. hope you'll join us on AOA.